As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, Andrew, hit us with that Sif Spoil theme song for the week. And the Drax in the cradle with Gamora too. Baby Groot and Rocket Raccoon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but we'll have a battle then where I'll turn into Pac-Man. Nice! Yeah. Very mm, well done. Yes. Very well done. Welcome to the post-pod Sift Spoil, where the theme song is different every single week because at least one thing should remain unspoiled. Uh, make sure you listen to the podcast first before you listen to this, uh, because first of all, we're going to be spoiling it, uh, the movie, so we'd highly recommend that you uh, you see the movie first. Also, uh, we're going to be jumping around and stuff, so it yeah. may not make a lot of sense if you haven't seen the movie um, before you listen to this uh yeah speaking of jumping around let's just dive into it what are some of the things maybe stuff you mentioned in the podcast that you wanted to talk further on um different points you wanted to make that needed spoilers andrew you look like you've got something on your mind well we were talking about uh where we had different opinions you loved a particular thing that me and i can't remember if chris did not like uh i think was, chris said he thought it was a good a good example of the humor which was the playing catch scene is yeah. that what you were talking um, about dumbest scene in any marvel movie <laughs> ever so what do you think made it dumb for you it was so ridiculous i mean it's it's supposed to be this heartfelt moment and mm-hmm. i just couldn't help but think could they have thought of anything more cheesy than playing catch with a ball of inner energy and the i, I can't ex- it's hard to express whenever something's so dumb, you can't express it logically or explain it logically. So. But don't you think that was the point? Like, the point was that it was cheesy. Like, and the movie itself was undercutting it, too, knowing that, you know, eventually we'd find out he's not a good father. So, you know, it's kind of like the everything he ever wanted, but, you know, kind of thing. So you don't... Uh, read any of the comic books and you don't watch any trailers correct whenever kurt russell was introduced as his dad did you know he was going to be the villain yes okay of course yeah yeah i don't think the movie tries to hide that am i wrong about that chris i I felt like that was pretty no i mean that was that was the thing that i was sitting there going come on i mean we're we're two-thirds through this movie and they haven't revealed this yet (laughs) come on just go ahead and do it yeah um 
They kind of so touched on. I, I I actually like the catching ball scene. I really? think they may have could have. I think they could have done it uh, a little less ham handedly. Like you know, I mean, it was so obvious that's what they were going for before they even started throwing it around. Yeah. Um. That you know, I was like, oh, here they go. They're going to start throwing it. It's going to be playing catch with dad, and that's going to be funny. Ha ha ha. And I and I and I liked it. You're right. You're right, Aaron. I think it is definitely on purpose. It's supposed to be what it is. But, you know, I, I think they could have maybe have done that a little bit subtler in a way, you know, where you didn't know that that's what they were doing until they sort of, you know, maybe moved the camera back and they're, oh, they're playing catch. That's funny. You know, that type of thing. But in this one, it's like it's immediately obvious that's what they're going to do with it. Yeah. And I think the humor in general, uh, I'll talk about a couple other things I mentioned and be a little more specific. Uh, for instance, when I was talking about the subversion of a lot of that stuff, uh, you mentioned Pac-Man in the opening song. That's a moment in that final hero battle where, you know, you think it's just two, you know, guys punching each other where all of a sudden one of them is Pac-Man, you know? And so there's, they find a way to subvert those kind of things. The other was the big hero shot where, you know, all of them are together back to back, you know, uh, that they've done pretty much since the Avengers. They've got one moment like that, uh, in their movies. And at the end of it, something hits the... Is it the uh, the antenna girl? Man- Mantis? Yeah, Mantis. Like something oh, just comes yeah. out of her head and just like clocks her. <laughs> that, I, oh, I, yeah. I, and I, then and <laughs> the best out. part, though, there is Dave Bautista going, watch out, <laughs> after it's hit her. <laughs> I think I laughed more at that part than any other part in the movie. Oh, man. Dave Bautista, we mentioned it in the regular podcast. He stole this. Like It's his I, movie. He, it's, the character is so good. Like, just to have somebody, all that stuff about her being ugly was hilarious. Even all the way down to the last moment where he's like, you are beautiful on (laughs) On the the inside. inside. Like, all of it was (laughs) so good. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the the humor in this movie, for sure. There was one emotional, like, serious moment Mm -hmm. in this movie that really worked for me. Oh, tell me which one. And it was actually a Drax Mantis moment, wherever he's talking about how he took his daughter to mm-hmm. this uh, lake, and uh, Drax really doesn't show emotion, so whenever she touched him and she started crying, like we were actually seeing vicariously through Mantis how Drax feels. Truly feels, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that yeah. is a moment right there. Yeah. I love that part. Great scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but just those two, uh, that's a great character duo right there is just those two mantis and drax mantis yeah they worked well together yeah well and that's what i was sitting there like i was sitting there thinking this could this could i mean you wouldn't you wouldn't pay to see this movie i mean like if it was called guardians of the galaxy 2 and it was just these two the whole time but i was sitting there thinking this could be the whole movie i mean i would be fine with it um you know because everything that they do is just just well played off of each other I also was really surprised by how I mentioned some of the other emotional moments that got me. We'll just kind of go that direction. Um, again, the overall theme of this was family and about how people care. You know, they, they there were several moments where they mentioned, you know, uh, like how you guys don't even like each other. You yell at each other. And it's like, well, you know, it's because we're not friends. We're family. And yeah. that made a lot of sense to me. Like, you know, the family are the people you like scream at and you, you truly love. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's something interesting about that. And the stuff... One of the things that really shocked me emotion wise was the rocket in um what's the Quill? Good? No. Uh Yondu? Yondu. Ooh, the rocket in Yondu one. stuff really really got to me when Yondu was was comparing himself to he's like, I know you because I am you. 
Uh, I push people mm-hmm. away because I don't ever want to admit that, you know, I'm scared that maybe I, I can't be loved, you know, that kind of thing. And the Yondu Quill stuff was emotional for me. Like, I was like, oh, you know, the idea of, you know, Yondu actually was his, you know, his father. Um, another cheesy moment that actually worked for me was the line, you know, uh, he may have been your father, but, you know, he wasn't your daddy. Yeah. Um, yeah. That I, I get that that's cheesy, but, uh, you know, like, I'm a cheesy guy sometimes. <laughs> like, that kind of stuff works for me. But I thought that that scene in particular was ruined by the funeral where he kept saying David Hasselhoff over and over again. Like, how he kept comparing Yondu to David Hasselhoff. I'm like, you're, you're, that's ruining, the you're see, ruining it. And, and again, this is where we differ. Yeah. That's the perfect example of what I think this movie does that's so hard to do, is that it is ridiculous in the moments where it's also emotional. And I think it is it is almost one of the calling cards of this franchise, is the idea that we are never going to stop being goofy, even when we're trying to make you feel something. And another one that really didn't work for me is whenever he's finally about to... Uh, kill uh, Egos. Uh, he says, "You killed my mom, and you broke my Walkman." Right? Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, forget the Walkman. <laughs> you just found. But out that's this- why it's funny. No, <laughs> it didn't work for me. It yeah. really didn't work for me. It worked for me. Well, I think okay. it worked for a lot of the audience too. I there was a big laugh line. Yeah, I know, but yeah, just because an that, audience. That- Go ahead. That type of thing wasn't my, I, I, yeah, when we were talking earlier, like that wasn't my biggest, I, I like the humor that comes after the dramatic moments. Uh, I understand what you're saying. There's probably could have toned it down a little bit on a couple of moments. Um, and here we are once again, we have yet another movie where somebody's mom dies and they get, you know, they want to get revenge on the person who did it. What did you say? And everything. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it's yet again, it's going to be like the thing in every Marvel movie now and, or every, <laughs> every comic book movie now. Well, since Disney um, owns Marvel it, movie, they're throwing that whole thing. All the way back to Finding Nemo. Yeah. No, all the way yeah. back to Land Before Time. There you go. Yeah. But there was a there was a big moment too where uh, Nebula is going through her big thing about like how she's gonna go murder her sister and then she's gonna go kill her dad and all yep. that other stuff. Yeah, you can feel that one leading up to a joke because that's uh, what's his name. Uh, it's actually James Gunn's brother, Sean Gunn, plays. Uh, is it Craglin? Or whatever is like is behind him. Okay, well then, um, I'm just gonna go back here now, you know, because she goes through that really intense thing. Cameras up on close on her and everything, yeah. and she's like, "I'm murdering this person and I'm murdering that," you know. I found his stuff really uh, affecting his relationship with Yondu. Yeah, I found some of that stuff really. I thought he gave a great performance. Uh, I felt like a lot of the the um, Sly Stallone. Well, we can talk about Sly if you want. I wouldn't say I found that affecting. Um, although I didn't actually, his cameo I didn't mind quite as much. The the Hasselhoff cameo I didn't like. The Stan Lee cameo I didn't like. Hasselhoff was so uh Yeah, I uh, just didn't it, because it didn't make any sense for the character. Like I just yeah. don't think Ego. Like where did he pull that from? Why would he know that? Why would that give him an advantage in that situation? Like I just, I don't know. I I didn't like the Hasselhoff cameo, but I didn't yeah. mind the Stallone stuff. I. I thought he was fine. Well, Stallone and the that Ravager group is going to be a pretty significant part in Guardians 3, I think. Did you notice? Okay, so at the very end, you know, there's the Ravagers mm-hmm. and, like, there's the different ones. And then there's a helmet, just a talking helmet. Yeah. That's Miley Cyrus. Is it? Is the talking oh, helmet. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I was I I knew that all those characters, like, even the ones that were CGI had to have been somebody. I just didn't know who they were. 
Um, like who, there was another one too. It was like a robot or something, right? Yeah. Or is yeah. that, or is that, I can't remember what it was, but, but yeah, I mean, if you have Ving Rhames and you have Michelle Yeoh, so you, I mean, everybody Ving else Rames. is going to okay. be. At yeah. first yeah. I was like, at first, you know, it took me a second to realize, oh wait, no, yeah, Michael Clark Duncan's passed away. Cause I, you know, giant guy. I was like, oh wait, no, that's Ving Rhames face. They just well, put Ving Rhames giant- does look a little bit bigger than he usually does in that movie. For yeah. Sure. yeah. He looks, he looks a little bit puffed up. It reminded, so. it reminded me of the end of an Anchorman movie. Where it's all of a sudden all these yeah. <laughs> famous people are in like their different bands or groups or whatever. One thing I did want to bring up uh, now did did the Kurt Russell thing at the beginning give you Starman vibes? Yeah, I'll say this: Jeff about Bridges. Mark. Go ahead. I mean, Jeff Bridges was in Starman, but I, I feel like it, even at the like when you see you, you know they they CGI'd younger Kurt Russell into it or whatever. Um, I, I got some Jeff Bridges vibes, and it's funny. John Carpenter did Starman, and you would you almost have to think that Kurt Russell was was going to possibly be Starman after the movies that Carpenter and Russell did uh, together uh, in the in that time period. So it was kind of interesting that I got that kind of vibe right off the bat, but I don't know if that was intentional or not. I'll say this. Marvel, I don't know how they do it, but whenever they CGI a younger face onto somebody, it works. It's, it's not Uncanny Valley. It looks so real. It's yeah, that was creepy. A, that was a young Kurt Russell. Yeah, and I don't know if that was because, I, and, and I would think in IMAX Laser it would be even more obvious if it didn't look right. It looked perfect. It looked perfect to me. Yeah. How did it look for you, Chris? Like you, you oh, said it, you didn't no, see it, it looked IMAX good. Laser. I think no, I think it looked good. Um, I do think that they're the they sort of trick you out a little bit because they don't show him too much um yeah if, they're smart. if they did if they did they would he would have probably uh seen a lot of the you know the seams and all of that but um you know he's wearing sunglasses he's got his head turned all that type of thing but it's so obviously him uh but it's not it never once did i sit there and go well that's like really weird like you know grand moff tarkin or something like that it yeah. wasn't it didn't give me that kind of you know feel um one of the i guess i guess you could call it one of the cinema sins moments for me is him choosing a human form and then especially when he's going back and showing how he went to different planets and he's that, always a human. That he was always a human I'm like, why wouldn't you transform into other people? Right. You know, it was just so weird to me. I was like... And I like how, or I don't understand how he says he chose a physical form on what he thought life looked like, and it was automatically a human, <laughs> and uh, yeah. he put clothes on, and I'm like, this, this is not making sense. You know what? I think... I think it's possible that they wanted to have that one visual gag of him with all those different creatures and mm-hmm. like all the ones that he particularly fell in love with and everything. Cause if you change that Kurt Russell in his like, you know, red vest type of look that they had or whatever, and he's just an alien, I mean, he could still have done it by still putting the vest on. That's what whatever, I was thinking. So yeah. You know, it was him. Uh, but I think that's why they wanted that. They wanted to have that visual gag of Kurt Russell, essentially with all these aliens. It's basically because he is, shows that big like thing that looks like an orgy almost by the time yeah. it's you yeah. know by the time it's complete. Um, but uh, I think that's the reason why they did that. But yeah, they could have done that a little bit. You know, you, why did you look human the entire time? They could have done something with that. You're right. <laughs> 
Uh, um, I think the f- opening Baby Groot stuff is some of the most adorable and fun stuff I've ever seen. Like, the idea of shooting the beginning of that action scene all in the background out of focus yeah. and just watching Baby Groot dance, I thought that was really clever. I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, go ahead. I feel so bad for every single name that came up during that opening credit scene. <laughs> did, you yeah. look at a, did you look at a single name? No, man. You can't take your eyes off nope. Baby Groot. Yeah, why even bother having <laughs> names? You're not even going to notice them. You're going to be looking at Baby Groot, and you're going to be looking at the fight in the background. Yeah. Which was so fun. That is a great way to start a movie. It was perfect. Yeah. That's that sort of that uh, that Joss Whedon-esque type of thing, you know, because like Buffy the Vampire Slayer had that one episode where they just followed Xander around and like there's all this crazy stuff happening in the background and it's not, you know, that's what would normally be the main story, yeah. but they follow him and it's you know, and it's just you know, it's all it is is just his you know banal life basically, while all this other crazy stuff goes on. Um, I I really did like I did like that opening. I, I I like that was the one part though, just before it got into that though, where they started where they had all the talk, they were the dialogue and everything. That was the one moment where I thought they were being a bit too self aware. Mm. Um, you know, like, oh, is that the the sword? I thought the sword was your thing, and all that type, you know, that type yeah. of dialogue. Whereas, you know, they're just kind of like, let's introduce the characters real quickly in a stilted manner. We're getting to this baby group thing anyway, so don't worry about it. You know, so that was the only thing about that scene that was came off a little false to me. But I did like the dancing and everything. I have a question. Yeah, how strong is Gamora? Uh, apparently, really strong. She picked up a extremely a a gun that was on the side of a spaceship. Well, she also held Drax hanging outside of the spaceship while it was moving. Yeah. Like, I mean, she is, uh, yeah, strong. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Because I don't think that was ever explained. Also, also, I don't understand why you wouldn't just let Drax fall to the, I mean, he's, He's not going to hit the earth with any more impact than he's bouncing off those trees. Like you yeah. might as well just let him yep. fall and roll. That part was really <laughs> funny how happy he was as he was getting uh-huh. whipped around Pinballed. and hitting tr- yeah, he was yeah. hitting every single tree on the way into that landing. Dude. Or crash. Whatever. So funny. But- so good, so good. I also really loved uh one scene we haven't mentioned that I really loved was the rocket raccoon ambush of uh like the entire Raider party or whatever. Uh, I thought that was really fun. Yeah, that was fantastic. My favorite scene in the movie. uh, uh, I guess my favorite scene in the movie is whenever Baby Groot keeps bringing back the wrong thing to try and get Yondu (laughs) and Rex. But right, but right after that is another amazing scene where he finally gets the fin on, Uh and it's just the uh, the arrow going around. It was so beautiful watching just that light flicker around Mm -hmm. everywhere, and then Rocket shooting as well. That yeah, was and a it, fun and it scene. Kind of has like a drone shot above, you know, yeah. like that was, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. That whole well, taser you know, face funny. thing was so dumb, though. Taser face? Taser face was so dumb. Eh. That's funny. I did mention that the action was something I didn't like, but there are a couple of great humorous uh, action scenes that do really well in this. Um, I, I was more thinking about the finale more than anything yeah. because yeah. that's when they start just punching each other and everything. But yeah, that arrow scene was great. And, uh, the, yeah, the rocket thing was awesome as well. I, I, I thought that was really well done. There also was something really, I don't, this movie did a thing where it really made you feel for these characters in moments that some of the baby Groot stuff was really interesting because they're like the moment where she's convincing him to let her go. 
And like, you know, like he's, he's still a child and, yeah. you know, you're just kind of feeling like, and there's a moment where he's taking the device to blow up the earth core and everything is crashing down and he's getting squished and he cried like a baby. Did you hear him cry? Yeah. I was like, Oh my yeah. goodness. Like that, like pierced my heart. It was, there were some moments interesting like that or, or when, uh, there was a moment, I forget who, who insulted him, but somebody said an insult to rocket raccoon that really hit him too. Like that was like. I think it was Drax. Was it? Yeah. I don't know. There were just moments where it was like they really made you feel for these characters in a in a pretty real way. So And then he turns into Teen Groot at the end. Yeah. What did you think about that? What did you think about the five different <laughs> oh. end credit scenes? Yeah, so we had the Adam Warlock one, which is setting up Guardians. I have no idea what that's about, so yeah, Adam he's the sovereign's like epitome. Yeah, it's this whole thing. Adam Warlock's actually kind of a cool character. Um and then I don't know if they're going to be setting up a Ravengers movie, you know, with like the mm-hmm. with the Sly and then the Ving Rhames and the Miley Cyrus and all the others. Mm-hmm. Would you watch that movie? I'd watch any Marvel movie at this point. You I know, love them. So I sh- actually, th- the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? I know it's just pretty much Guardians of the Galaxy just maybe a little bit more serious, but I- I'd give that one a watch. It might be fun. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then there was the Stan Lee one and- uh, Pointless. Pointless. They were all pointless. Besides maybe the Adam Warlock one and... Uh, well, Teenage Groot makes you know, okay, we're going to move... Up. He's growing up. Yeah. So are, are they going to do, like, grown Groot in the next movie? Like, are we going... Time has passed, like... I think we'll, I think we'll I be think, back to regular Groot. That's what I'm thinking. Man, I think they're going to do Teen Groot because didn't they, at the end of the first one, just show baby Groot? So isn't that yeah. sort of the sort of the tease? Well, that could that be. They're... Yeah, I guess you could be right. I don't know. I I I I I want regular group back, you know. <laughs> get Vin Diesel, which I don't know how they just they probably just you know fixed his voice, but the fact how much that do, they, how much do you think he gets paid to say I am Groot twelve different ways? Well, actually, he says it in every single language. Did you know that? For oh, every does he? for every like a uh, foreign language like dubbing. Well, it, then he's just, totally worth millions of dollars if he says it in every language. <laughs> he, he really does. They pay him because he does every he does it in Italian, Spanish, Japanese. He does them in all. It's Which a good gig, was man. That's yeah. a good gig. But uh, what was oh, the yeah. There was one thing I didn't want to mention. Uh, well, we haven't talked about the Sovereign at all, and I know you mentioned you had a real problem with that race, like you found them super annoying. It was it was a combination of, you know, they're supposed to be these highly advanced, you know, mm-hmm. beings, yet they keep doing slapstick comedy, and all the sound effects for their area are 8-bit Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, it didn't work for me. Yeah. Is what it was. Well, I did like the uh, the sovereign and how they how they go about fighting in these aerial battles because it's always to me it's like if you're in the future why not why haven't you figured this out yet where you can simulate uh, being in a ship like at a command base and not really actually um, you know risk your life doing it you're just risking you know metal at mm-hmm. that point you know. Uh, and I really liked that, that, you know, it turned out to be almost like an Ender's Game type of thing. Yeah. Um, for them. Yeah. Yeah, I liked that too. Um, I also liked the, I thought the credits, aside from the, the post-credit scenes, I thought they were actually fun credits to watch. Like, there were, like, the characters in them, and the I Am Groot would pop up in the, you know, in the words, and then change to the actual credit. And yeah. 
I don't know. I thought that was interesting and fun. So I was surprised there wasn't a uh, post-credit scene that tied into any of the other movies. Like maybe uh, Thor Ragnarok. That's the next one, isn't it? Yeah, but our Guardian's going to be in the Thor movie. Have you? S- oh, yeah. I guess you haven't seen the. No, trailers, I, I know so. nothing. Okay, yeah. Then I won't say anything. Okay. So uh, I mean, I I think I've heard when that Guardians are going to take place and there be a part of the next Avengers movie. They but, are. Yeah. But I, you know, I didn't know how they were going to play into other. Yeah. Movies. I don't think these end credit scenes serve to go to the next movie anymore like they used to, but now I think it's pretty much just what they want to, whatever they want to do. I mean, Doctor Strange had had one small one after the, like immediately after the main movie, but then like the one towards the end was just more Doctor Strange stuff. Oh, so the Chiwetel four one where he's just like, no more yeah. sorcerers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was that was all that was at the end of Doctor Strange. I mean, there was there was the Thor. There was a Thor moment at the end of of it, but it was like like after they did the main credits or whatever, they put him put them on, and it's like a real it's like a discussion about you know I guess to see if Doctor Strange is going to help them out in the next you know the Infinity Wars or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, did the Zune joke work for you guys? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it yeah. worked. It worked yeah, for me. I thought so too. 300 songs <laughs> well and to see his reaction who you know he's only his his only memory goes back to 1988 so yeah uh that would seem amazing to somebody yeah a, a zoon you know so that's what's so funny to me it's what uh, everybody on earth is, is listening to now <laughs> right yeah <laughs> i remember one guy i knew had a zoon one guy did you ever have a zoon no i never had oh. a zoon so you only knew one person, Chris? Did they only think- one, yeah. And well, he he would swear by it, man. He was like, "Man, this is awesome," and such and so forth. And uh, I was like, "Ah, eh, well, okay, it might be awesome. I don't know. It doesn't seem to have the kind of support that others do." Yeah. And uh, yeah, so. my my first MP pl- MP3 player was a Rio. It was a Rio MP3, and it held about thirty songs. And uh, nice, yeah. It was it was the future. That was before <laughs> that was before iPods even existed. I went straight from CD player to iPod two, I think. Mm. So, yep. Yeah, me. I had a software on my computer called Music Match, and I would rip all my CDs to MP3 and then put them on this little Rio player or whatever Man, way I, back in the day. I felt so bad for my computer back in the day. I think the statute of limitations on this is done, but LimeWire back in the day. <laughs> that's how I got all my music and. Knowing what I know now, I feel so bad for what I probably did to that computer. Napster was the big one, right? Like, Napster was the one that started it. I was never on the Napster train, really. I was straight to LimeWire because growing up, you know, in this area, I was not technologically savvy. I didn't have a computer until I was in high school. Yeah. Because my family's like, oh, you just go to the library. (laughs) That's what I did. Is Is that what your family sounds like? That's exactly. That's uncanny uh, representation of what my dad sounds like. <laughs> Andrew, I love you so much. <laughs> but at least he threw like a ball of energy with you, you know, every once in a while, right? No, my dad worked nights, so he slept during the day. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's why I'm so bitter towards that scene. <laughs> it's so dumb. Nobody has fun playing catch with their dad, that's right? right? That's right. <laughs> Have the same feelings in Field of Dreams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. Anything else? That's how you do a catch scene with your dad. Field, Field of, of Dreams. Dreams. That's well, how you do that's it. That's a little bit of a different movie, Andrew. It's uh, not exactly the same. I don't feel. know. I get a lot of I get a lot of homages and basically a sequel. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything else that I want to mention. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to bring up? 
No, not really. I mean, it's funny. I I think anybody listening to me is going to say, "Oh, you really love this movie," but in the end, it, that the structure of it really took it down. Sure, sure. Um, uh, quite a bit for me. I mean, even though I I'd say I'm very entertained, and I think that most people are going to like it, and I don't have any problem if you do like it. Um, I just felt like, man, you, you know, it's two hours and sixteen minutes long. Uh, I feel like there could have been some, con- you know, they could have condensed this a little bit more and I would have been really on board with it. Um, but you know, we keep coming up with great scenes here and there and I'm like, maybe, maybe I'll just turn around and really love this by the time, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, in a year or so when I'm, when I watch it again, but um, but like, uh, but yeah, uh, I, I just think they could have done something with the structure and I would have been perfectly fine. Maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll forgive a lot of the stuff that I didn't like, uh, you know, in the future. Well, I can tell you this, it's, de- it's definitely a movie I'm excited to see again. Like, you know, yeah. I, I really can't wait to watch it again and to, you know, laugh again at some of the lines I've forgotten already and, and to see some of those action scenes on the screen again. So yeah, I, I, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to a second viewing. Maybe it's because, you know, the, uh the first movie came out of nowhere and surprised me so much on how good it was Mm -hmm. that maybe I was just upset that they didn't capture that magic once again, because I was like, Oh, it's, it's just, it's a sequel. I wanted it to be, Oh, it's twice as good as the original one. But maybe that was me putting too much hope and pressure on them to make a perfect movie. Yeah. So that might be why I might be with you guys and I'll come around like, you know what? Cause like I said, it's a super fun movie. I had a lot of fun. But did I like it as much as you guys? I don't think so. Uh, it's certainly not. Was it, what was it, Split that you didn't like and then by the end of the podcast you absolutely loved? Yeah, Split's uh, <laughs> right now actually right above Guardians of the Galaxy. It's uh, Guardians right now, my films of the year is number seven and Split is number six. So. But we've, we've all had that experience where we see a movie through somebody else's eyes and we start to realize, you know, that we liked it more than we thought or didn't like it more than we thought or, you know, whatever. What was split in particular, just real quick, is because you explained some stuff mm. that made the movie make a lot more kind sense. Kind of blew your mind a little bit. Yeah, like yeah. the whole train thing mm-hmm. blew me out of the water. Yeah. And that was insane. So, um, Well, I think that's it then, guys, unless you've got something else. Chris, thank you so much again for hanging out with us and chatting movies. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk spoilers about King Arthur if we need to. Yeah, okay. Spoiler alert, Andrew is not excited for this movie. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.